Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. The one thing that we always want to move towards here is simply conversation. I believe in this, is that I believe in you all. I believe that God is working in each of our lives. That's the experience that we want to share. And so with that, I want to set you up for a brief, really easy question to start with, which is, what are you grieving? Enjoy. This year, we decided that we're going to go through the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so we're in Genesis. And there's a story that I came to in Genesis that I've read over a bunch of different times. But for me, recently, with everything that's going on in the world, I just paused there, and the five-letter wordle word of the day was grief. That it's something that we individually hold and it's something that we collectively hold. And the wisdom of the Torah, the wisdom of the Bible, the wisdom of Scripture is that there's not an equation for how you deal with grief, but grief is clearly baked into the human experience. And so if we're going to talk about grief, we've got to talk about some things. And we're not going to get to any of this, but I just want you to see the list to see what we were going to talk about. I want you to be in anticipation about what could have happened. And so that what it is is human responsibility. And if we were going to talk about human responsibility, then we would have talked about Ukraine. If we talked about Ukraine, then children and land. And if we're talking about children and land, then, of course, Executive Order 9066. And if we're going to talk about Executive Order 9066, then an equation for healing. And if we looked at that, then Viktor Frankl's amazing work on man's search for meaning. And then if we talked about that, then, of course, we have questions and more questions. And if we have some questions and more questions, then Ella Baker and if we could look at the life of Ella Baker, then we could talk about creators and builders. And then Ash Wednesday. But I'm going to summon it for you instead. <laughs> there is no equation in the scriptures for you handle, how you handle grief, but there is a reality that grief is there. And the scriptures sometimes create space for two things. One of the sides of life is, what's God's part? And the other side of it is, what's our part? And there's an intersection between these two things. The book of Genesis is very interested in that. Contrary to popular belief, Genesis is not a story of science and, you know, how to deal with evolutionary theory. Genesis is not a story about the fall and belly buttonless people who lead us into sin for the rest of eternity. Genesis is none of those things. Genesis is simply the story of the beginning of Israel, which is the story of a people of God trying to understand that intersection. What is God's part and what is my part? And oftentimes we want to know about God's part and our part in moments of grief. When things are difficult, that is when we need faith. And when we look at the story of Genesis, we were looking at Abraham, and Abraham has this interesting story for us. Everything is odd about the story of Abraham. He is not a hero in the ancient world. This is not Achilles or one of the Marvel movie heroes. This is an old man living thousands of years ago with an old wife, and they have had no kids, and they have no ability to have kids, and they own no land in the place that they're living, which in ancient terms means they were broke, and their eternal value was now gone because they can't pass it on. 
And in the midst of that, there's a promise from God, and the promise is twofold. Abraham, I know you have no children and no land, but I want you to know I will give you a child, and that child and those children will be more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. That for generation after generation after generation, your family will be a blessing to the rest of the world, and I'm going to give you land. And so Abraham waited, eventually got the child, Isaac, out of a series of strange events. And in the midst of that, by the way, if you don't know this, you got some bathroom reading to do later, (laughs) Genesis 12 through 23. I'm just giving you the abbreviated notes. And what was traumatic in the midst of all of that is after Abraham got the child, there's a very odd story where God says, take your son up to a mountain and sacrifice him. That's just weird. There's a lot of commentary on it, and we don't have time to explain that today, but it's a good one, all right? (laughs) And imagine the thing that you have been waiting for is now going to be taken from you. And how often is life just like that? What do you think a bunch of people in Ukraine feel today? We've waited 30 years after the fall of the Soviet Union to build our own democracy. We were moving towards something and it's taken from us. This is human experience. So even though we look at these stories from thousands of years ago, we're like, well, that's odd, is it? Or is the wisdom still there? Is the reality of all of these stories that there is grief and there is grief and there is grief and then there is grief and then there is grief and there is grief both individually and collectively, we experience it. And then not only that, but Abraham was also promised land. And at the point of the story that we get to in Genesis, Abraham has no land. And in fact, when Abraham dies, the only land that he will get is this small plot of land, which is the quick story that we're going to read from Genesis 23, which goes like this. Sarah lived 127 years, and then Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, present-day Hebron, in the land of Canaan, and Abraham mourned for Sarah and wept. Let me just pause there a second. The Bible is just filled with normal human emotions. You didn't have the things that you thought you were supposed to get or that you wanted. And then you maybe did get some of those things, and you realize just how fragile the gift of life actually is. And there were some promises that were still unfulfilled in your life, and then she died. And she didn't get to see the grandchildren. And she didn't get to see the land. And there's just versions of that in all of our human experiences. That you can't have it all and you can't have it all at once. That sometimes that's a part of it. That's not meant to be depressing. What if that's just meant to be, this is the reality of what it means to be a human. And how do we look to God for the times that we need God? And how do we look to ourselves for the times that we need to act? And that we need to deal with our own grief and build and create a different world. And then it goes on to say this. Then Abraham got up from the morning, from mourning his dead wife, and spoke to the Hittites. And then the story goes on that he was able to buy a piece of land. And this is the first moment that he buys a piece of land. And the rabbis simply say the story like this. There are moments that you wait on God. That's the story of Exodus. There's a pharaoh, there's an empire, there's a system, there's just things that just seem to be way bigger than you. And you need God to show up in God-like ways. And then there are moments where grief just comes at you and you are wondering what was going to happen to the child or you're waiting for the land and you don't wait on God. That what if God is actually waiting on us to act? 
What if God is waiting on us to have action in this game plan? And that's the story of Genesis. There are times you wait on God, and there are times that you must act within your grief. And the story is simple. Abraham got up from his mourning. He got up. He went and he had to go do something. And here's the power of the equation. There's no time that is set for any of us of when you have to get up. But the scriptures do say there will be a day that you will get up. And the world needs you to get up. The world needs you to get up whenever you're ready. Maybe it's in a day, maybe it's in a month, maybe it's in a year, maybe it's in 10 years. But there will never be a point where your grief is completely gone. What if you carry your grief with you and you become acquainted with grief in a different way? And that grief that you have become acquainted with will allow you to be a builder in this world of new things. That your grief will allow you to create in this world in a new way. Because the rest of the world needs to live through your experience and the grief that you encountered. No one ever wishes for that story. No one ever wishes that story upon other people. But it is that grief that we become acquainted with that most often we have the biggest things to say about our experience of being human. And so the rabbis say this. Abram waited around for the land. He was waiting for God to show up and give him all the things that he promised. And in this moment, in his greatest moment of grief, losing the person that he loved the most, losing his partner and person and the promise and the blessing, he goes out there and he bargains a deal for a cave so they can bury his wife. And that's the first moment of the Jews owning land in the scripture. In the moment of grief, there was a moment of action. And in our world, we're like, oh, they're buying a burial plot. In the ancient world, that meant everything. There was finally a home. But it was a home for his dead wife. It was a home for that grief. And finding a home for that grief allowed Abraham to go on and continue to make an action to live into God's blessing. And then the next story, which we're not going to read, is a story about Abraham on his deathbed brings, you know, one of the heads of his household over and says, my son doesn't have a wife yet. And so God promised me these things that my right grandchildren and lineage is going to be more numerous than all of the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. But if my kid doesn't have a wife, well, you get how that works. So go get my kid a wife. And the story is this. God's not anywhere in any of these stories by name. But it's that Abraham learned in the process that his time of mourning, he had to go get up. He had to go live into action in this moment. And he was the one who was going to create an action plan to go get his kid a wife. Odd story for the 21st century. I totally get it. But for the ancient world, it's this. Even in the midst of grief, are there moments where we have to act, where God is waiting for us to act? We know that in Ukraine right now. We're not just waiting for God to do miracles. There are people who have to act. That for Japanese Americans, the story that I was going to share in 1942, when our government issues an order, right, an executive order that tells all Japanese Americans that they have to go to internment camps, concentration camps, U.S. citizens, that we took their land and their possessions from them, and we sent them away because we were living in fear and we were scared. That's grief. And after all of that time away, the Japanese Americans come back to their homes that have been taken from them. And there's a whole generation of Japanese Americans that you can read about that they didn't share these stories of grief because for them in that moment, it was a time to rebuild. It wasn't fair. It wasn't what they asked for. They were U.S. citizens that the empire that they lived had taken from them. And the next generation during the civil rights movement of Japanese Americans, they'll be angry at their parents. And they'll say things like, why didn't you stand up for yourselves? And here's the reality of the story that Genesis offers us. Even different generations do things differently about how they grieve. That we all need different things. That some of us, what we need to do is tie up our bootstraps and move forward and go create a plan and buy the plot of land and move forward and that's how we're going to grieve. 
For others of us, we need to sit still and we need to be quiet and we need to get therapists and we need to listen to ourselves. There's no right answer to it, but the story of the scriptures are that God is constantly inviting us in to co-create with God in this story. That out of our grief, there must come a time where we do act. That if we do not act, that is when the blessing, so to speak, the promise, the things that we live for, lose their meaning. That human beings are a part of this equation. This is not some story where Jesus did it all on the cross and magically your life will be perfect forever now until the rapture happens. Thank you, Kirk Cameron. No. <laughs> this is not a story of magic and happily ever after. This is a story of humanity. And that in your grief that no one wished upon you, nor am I trying to minimize it, nor will anyone ever, there will come a moment where the world needs your action, specifically out of the grief that you lived through. That Ella Baker was this incredible woman who was born in the early 1900s. And she was, uh, John Lewis and many other political African-American activists in the late 1960s will say that Ella Baker was the political mother of that entire generation because she was born so much earlier in the 1930s and 1940s. She was setting up chapters in, in, this, in the South for NAACP um, groups, which is way ahead of its time, by the way. And so this is another story of grief, another story where things were unjust and unfair and the world wasn't playing out as it ought to be and the people of faith weren't doing the things that they were supposed to do. It's all just littered with problematic scenarios and yet there's still this woman who becomes the political mother for Martin Luther King Jr. and John Lewis and all the other great activists, right, uh, who will come many decades later and here's this woman who out of her own grief, out of the reality of her circumstance, will still choose to move towards action. That's not for everybody. That's not for every moment. The story is this. There is grief, and there is grief, and there is grief. And we all experience it in different ways. There are the Ella Bakers of this world. There are the names that will become famous um, in, in whatever happens right now with Ukraine. There will always be the larger stories that stand out, and then there will be millions of other stories of people who just quietly did what they needed to do to keep the human story moving forward. And when you find yourself in your own grief, would you trust this? That God will do God's part, and we don't control any of that. And there will be a part for you where you must act. You will have to get up, and you will have to move forward. And there's no equation for when that has to happen or how that has to happen, but that is a part of the human story. And as we move towards Ash Wednesday this coming week, as we move towards the Lenten season, that is the story of Jesus. The Lenten season is simply this, that you spend seven weeks moving towards Jerusalem and the cross, that you know what's coming ahead. And as you so beautifully said, once you get to Friday and once Jesus gets to Jerusalem and you get to the cross, there is no way over it. There is no prosperity gospel story where you get in a plane and you fly over and it's just Hillsong songs until you put the pastel colors on, my friends. <laughs> there is only a way through. That there is no resurrection without a crucifixion. There is no way to heal the grief and to change the world from your grief without sitting with it and living in it, and moving through it. And only then, you'll come out of that tomb just like Jesus. Your scars will still be there. The wounds will still be evident, but you will have a new narrative to offer the world. If you get back in your groups, would you think about this question with one another? Where are you ready to act? Enjoy.
Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.